Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Welcome. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure they're welcome? welcome. <laughs> well, I just stopped myself from doing the singing along with the theme song bit because I realize I do that every single time now. <laughs> welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. Uh, that's Cooper Gagan. Oh, you're interested. <laughs> I don't get interested. That's Josh Kirschenbaum. Each week we pick a topic, talk about two movies that fit that topic. One highbrow, one lowbrow. This week we're not doing that. It's an in-between episode. They're called No Brows. I explain it every time. Bah, Check bah, bah, literally bah. any other no brow for a really in-depth, complicated <laughs> why, why explanation. Why do you get so defensive at our <laughs> listeners? <laughs> at this invisible audience who is like pretty supportive usually. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It's just who I am. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> this explains everything about you. Look, we have a couple things on our list to talk about. None of them are. Let's like just tear apart Josh's soul and see what makes him tick. So let's go ahead. That's and- on my list every time. <laughs> uh, we have a few topics. Let's dig into them. All right. We're starting off with White Lotus. Going to do a full, just talk about full spoiler White Lotus every talk. single episode, moment by moment. Plotline, pie, plotline. Oh, we're doing like Star Wars Minute, but White yes. Lotus Minute? Yeah. That might that would actually be kind of fun. It would actually be shorter than Star Wars Minute. And there might be, like, each scene might have, like, more stuff going on, because I feel like the no. scenes are shorter. No, no, Because no, no. Star Wars, I feel like it might be a minute of someone just, like, walking. Yeah, but if there's a minute of somebody walking, every single character that appears in the background has a backstory. As always, you always end up back at Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, you should listen to Star, Star Wars, Wars Minute. Minute. It, but um, I, that's my soft wreck of the week, Star Wars Minute. Are they going to, like, are they doing the shows, too? Because they'll just, like, never run out of content then. I mean, they'll never run out of content ever because Star Wars ain't going nowhere. Right. Or do they just, like, loop it back once they finish the movies? Or are they just never going to finish the movies? Honestly, I haven't listened to it in a long time. They, I guess that's a lot of They minutes. were catching up with the movie. Like, I think they are on, like, Solo when I stopped listening. Gotcha. That is a lot of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I listened through all the originals and the prequels, which is, you know... Yeah, hundreds of episodes. Yes. Of yeah. Yeah. It was when I was I was a office PA at the time. I was, like, spending eight hours a day in doing runs in my car. Yeah. I got to... Yeah. The, I, I don't miss being a PA and doing all those runs. I will say I used to just annihilate podcasts. Yeah. Like, I was so casually. <laughs> you run up to Silmar four times a day. Yeah. <laughs> you find time. Yeah. I'd be in my car for, like, literally eight hours a day just doing runs constantly. And then I have to like run back to the office and bring back lunch and then go back in my car and do runs. But uh, yeah, my stats on my podcast listening app were just insane. Just bananas. Yeah. Uh, so White Lotus Talk, if you haven't seen the show, uh, skip ahead. We will, uh, when I edit the episode, we'll put it back in the show notes, the exact timestamp for when you can safely get past White Lotus spoilers if you haven't listened to it. If you have, if, if you don't care or if you've seen the show, don't don't bother. Yeah, hop on. <laughs> Get on the ride. Get on. Welcome to the White Lotus. Yeah, the ride. White Lotus, the ride. What would that be? I mean, that's just an actual resort. Are, are you? Are, oh, or are we all like? Are is it like a roller coaster? But like the cars look like those little like space coffins that they use on planes. The White Lotus, the ride is. It's like a roller coaster, but you don't see the same thing as anyone next to you, and you're constantly arguing about who was right and who was wrong. You just <laughs> just having an argument with your girlfriend at Disneyland. Yeah, that that's the White Lotus, the ride. <laughs> I've been on that ride. So White Lotus season two, uh, one of the buzzier shows that exists right now. I think one of the better shows that exists. Although we have some notes on the on the on the finale. Yeah. Uh, one big note, which I think we'll just dig right into, because I think it's the question of why this season happened. So, well, not even why the season happened. But like it's it's Jennifer Coolidge. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, 
who I, we love as an actress and was great in season one. Yes. And then we've talked about it before on the podcast because we've kind of been doing right lows recaps as we go. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think her character is really interesting or deep enough to warrant being included in this season. I mean, she was great in season one and she kind of was anchored by the uh, jar of ashes she had. But now she doesn't have that. and It's kind of just she's just there and she's annoying. And yeah. Yeah. So season one, you know, she's she has the jar of ashes. He's saying goodbye to her. Mother. Mother, yeah, which is interesting because in this season they call her like kind of a daddy's girl, which is the opposite. Anyway, mm. um, so she, right, so I think she's interesting there and she bounces off of Natasha Rothwell's character. Yes. So having a character who is this in her, this, you know, out of touch, or that out of touch, but believes she's like sort of this like empath, mm-hmm. I think was a really, really unique and really strong element of season one. Yeah, so and now se- she's just like full out of touch. Right. So season two, she comes in. She's got Greg, her husband, the guy from season one, mm-hmm. uh, who I want to do more because I feel like if anyone got a character reboot, it's that guy. Yeah, because he's became a like murder for hire guy. Right. Yeah, and, and did not seem like he was that kind of guy. No. And then Jennifer Coolidge, the only other characters she bounces off of are her assistant Portia, and I yep. think those are the moments where she's the most like having a giving a character a person like jennifer coolidge's character and a, a, a beleaguered assistant great idea yeah that's actually just really smart and fun interesting writing yeah and that's that's a part that uh i w- i didn't love but it's like it's one of those things where like i know it's just a personal thing because like i've been an assistant i've a lot of my friends have been assistants i've like i'm very i'm very familiar with that dynamic it's right. just like a very real dynamic it's very that, stressful yeah and it's just like something that like i still deal with at work constantly like dealing with people like jennifer coolidge's character yeah and having to be like portia so like for me i'm like this isn't new or revelatory this, <laughs> this is, is just, just my life this is my life so that's why i didn't connect with me but i'm sure for other people it might more and then the only other people she bounces off of are the the rich murder gays uh, yeah, the Tom Hollander and his buddies. Yeah, and uh, and I think the big note we both had is that a lot of that stuff felt like it just came out of a different show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did like. I mean, that was a really fun part of the show was trying to figure out what their plan was. Yeah, but then their plan didn't end up being as interesting as I thought. Right, because it was just to murder her. Right. I think when we talked about Jennifer Coolidge a few weeks ago, yeah, we our big my big take was I agree it doesn't seem obvious why she's here, but I trust Mike White that it might have something up its sleeve. Yeah. And I was a little not 100%. I wouldn't say whelmed, just middle middle whelmed <laughs> by the twist because I think it was very, it's a lot plottier than the show often is or much more like schemier. You yeah. know, characters can make plans, but if they start making multi-step schemes, it's like a certain kind of movie. It's that very like that. mechanical. Right, yes. Like it feels like something out of like Fargo. Yeah. Um, Which is, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it actually does feel a lot like something from Fargo. Right, but like in this show where no one else is doing these sort of complicated schemes in that level, or that much of like premeditated stuff. Yeah, and also just kind of like on like a tone level, it was just weird to see somebody running around shooting people. Yeah. Like that doesn't, like I feel like a White Lotus death is more like she gets poisoned in the, with a the champagne, or I, she I gets thought, stung by a jellyfish. They kept cutting the jellyfish in the water. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing is like they're like kind of visual motifs that didn't seem to really pay off in any way because that's like like the and there's like the statues of the heads oh that well they always that's that's like built in the the visuals of the show like they did in season one too is like the, I, I think that one of the big themes of the show is like 
kind of showing just like the old art and old like structure of the place they are in in contrast to just like really venal like rich people yeah for sure yeah. and then, but the thing is like i i got the sense from kind of overhearing it from other people that like people online are like digging really deep into like the visual symbolism of the show mm-hmm. and then like me having worked in tv i'm like let's just wait to see if the visual symbolism turns out because sometimes it's just like you shoot a bunch of b-roll and then like the editor puts it in because it looks nice yeah and it feels like that's what happened i mean looking nice is a really big part of filmmaking no for sure i don't think it's a bad thing i think the show looks great but i'm like i don't know if this show is going to reward dissecting it visually i don't think it's going to pay off on a narrative level it's not like um like a jordan peele movie where like everything he puts on screen like pays off on a plot level later yeah it's more like thematically or like for like yeah but basically the themes that mike white is trying to get at for sure and i mean this is also like kind of just i think example of people watching movies wrong where they think they they want to look for like the the key that unlocks the clues and it's like oh because they, they think of like whatever the oranges in the Godfather were like oh that's like the key like whenever you see an orange someone dies and I don't even know if, is that even true of the I don't Godfather think so. yeah it's just like something that kind of happens yeah movies are not like made by like like trickster imps trying to fool you into not getting everything yeah like, it, it's art it's narrative it's it they will sometimes be little things like that that tickle your brain but like you're not gonna beat the filmmaker by getting it all. and also trying to beat the filmmaker is the wrong way to watch well i don't know you watch if, you watch movies however you want i think it's a very boring way to watch a movie it does not feel, it does not seem as fulfilling to us yeah yeah because i think that also often i think people are often looking for those sort of symbols that with artistic intent like very deliberate artistic intent yeah and I think a lot of time when you find those symbols, sometimes they're they're like intended by the director or the DP or whoever the hell made that decision. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's just something that you're reading into. And people often ascribe less value to symbolism that you find as a viewer. Yeah. And I think those are equally valid. Yeah. I think I mean I guess it's kind of like an artist artistic intent, like whatever the death of the artist, like mm-hmm. Barth kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, I think that any inter- an interpretation made by a fan is equally valid as long as you have, you know, kind of evidence in a, you know, like an English majory way to support it. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, I mean, I mean getting back to White Lotus a little bit is just oh, yeah. that I do think that, like, I do think that, like, Mike White is, like, very consciously putting in certain symbols from Italy or, like, choosing where, what he's looking at. And sometimes it's because, you know, the he- the heads, I think they mentioned in the show what they symbolize. I don't remember that part. It was like some woman who died because her, husband cheated on her or something oh i see so that's why people thought of that was going to be like a clue yeah and then when they had like the really on the nose scene of like them breaking it by fucking yeah which is like symbolizing them like breaking the curse of their dead marriage i'm like man these people should just fucking break up like this is dumb (laughs) i don't care about this (laughs) everyone on the show except for mr pamuk and blondie I need you to tell me their names. I will bring up the IMDb. Okay, it's Theo James is the actor. The act. The characters are Cameron, Daphne, Ethan, and Harper. Right, Cameron and Daphne. I was like Cameron, Daphne. I my my blazing hot take. Which I shouldn't say hot take so much. My my uh my hot take on White Lotus is that uh, Cameron and Daphne secretly have the most like health the healthiest relationship, even though it is not completely healthy. Right. So let's uh we'll get to that. I mean, we can just skip ahead of the hot couples if we're done with Jennifer Coolidge. No, let's keep uh, on going. Let's let's finish it out. Okay, so Jennifer Coolidge, um, and we can get to them because I've heard that take and I actually think I think they're they are 
more, a healthier couple than they were hinted at earlier, but they are also still have their own messed up stuff like everyone else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Jennifer Coolidge, she, uh, she turns out her husband, Greg, who in season one was like just a guy who worked for Bureau of Land Management in like Arizona or something. Yes. Uh, has now called in a favor with his uh, rich friends with in the Italy. murder gays. With the rich murder gays yeah. to have her murdered by the mafia and get her all of her money in the uh, prenup. Uh, yeah, and uh, she d- uncovers this and shoots her way out and kills all the gays and then dies by jumping off a boat onto another boat. Yeah, which was I mean that was funny, yeah, hilarious. I saw I like kind of was kind of rooting for it to happen. I'm like, oh, we all just, knew it. Yeah, yeah. By that point, um, <laughs> she's just <laughs> when she's just like going around the boat, kind of just like moaning and shooting people. I'm like, this is the weakest person in the universe. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's that's her sh- thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole point of the show. I know. I I understand that it was deliberate. I'm not saying it was a failing of the show. They definitely did what they meant to do. I yeah. just found it extremely frustrating. I was just like groaning during the entire sequence. So that's so so that's that happened. I'm like, okay, this. I believe this is if this. Person had to shoot her way out of a boat of murder gaze. I 100 percent believe it would happen this way. Um, <laughs> and she would accident. I mean, that is she. That is like wild to hit everything you're aiming at. I mean, they're right in front of her too. Like yeah, the first but, guy is like right there. Well, so we don't actually see who she's, how far or close they are, because it's all focused. Uh, it's like she shoots the first guy who's like three feet away. Yeah, that one I get. And then it's all point. The camera's pointing towards her, so we don't even know. Maybe they're like running up to her. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, I'm not saying like whatever people can accidentally hit everything they're aiming at. It's funny, like, I like that. It's just like, <laughs> we also I, don't know how much she shoots the full clip, and we only know she hits like two bullets. Yeah, we know Tom Hollander got hit once, and the other guy got hit once. Oh, you want like a f- f- like pedantic fun fact? Sure. So, a, a clip is she yeah, it's actually not a clip in that gun, it's, ah. a, it's a magazine. Okay, so a magazine is like the little holder for the bullets, and a clip is like a it's like a it's like a piece of like plastic or something all the bolts are attached to Mm -hmm. and you just like stick the whole thing in a gun it's like how like an m1 grand works Mm. it's like a kind of like an old it's like a holdover from like old-timey guns that used to have like a different bullet feeding system okay i'm not going to internalize that uh for writing in scripts it actually matters mildly like if somebody has like a clip or a magazine i mean if you're giving your script to someone who knows anything about guns which in hollywood that's a I real hit or miss this, i just think words matter and you should use the right <laughs> words josh if you're using words use the right words uh no facts don't care about your feelings man okay. uh Wait, no that's on my side <laughs> <laughs> that's an argument for me no, i got it wrong feelings don't care about your facts i mean that's don't let true. facts get in the way of the truth oh, god damn it <laughs> We've had this okay, discussion Joe. a lot. Okay, Joe. <laughs> We've had this discussion a lot. <laughs> yeah. Or me being Wait, like, no, you're the Joe. Joe's the one who's always like facts about don't care about your feelings. Joe Rogan. You right. But then right? he said but then when he he says that and then like says random bullshit about conspiracies to COVID. <laughs> so in, in a way it's more like you who well, doesn't no. like facts. No, 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 no. I think facts are fine in real life. I think if you're getting hung up on like whether it's a magazine or a clip in your script, I think that's like the last thing you should do. Right. I think you should do that like right before you're about to film. You should just like call a guy and be like, you like actually it doesn't even matter because props are just going to do whatever it is or they'll get on your case about it. Right. No, but I'm saying if you're writing, oh, this is the dumbest argument, but like, <laughs> hey, I was willing to let it go. Then you called me Joe Rogan. If you're <laughs> Joe Rogan knows said, about guns. I said Joe. I Joe say, I we all know Joe. what you meant. I said which Joe. Oh, who is it? Mighty Joe Young? <laughs> you think you were comparing <laughs> me? You're comparing me to President of the United States Joe Biden or famous pretend gorilla Mighty Joe Young? I think not. Mm-hmm. I think you were clearly Cotton referring Eye to Joe. Joe. <laughs> Cotton Eye Joe, famous. Where did you come from? Where did did you go? go? You don't even know where, where he came he come from. from. Okay. Wait, wait if you don't What's know where he came from. <laughs> yeah, wait, hold on. If you don't know where he came from or where he went, 
So what? He was with you for a brief moment in your life. But like, okay, I'm just, you're just like at a party and a guy pops in and out and you're like, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, but like a guy pops in and starts like screaming and does a backflip, <laughs> shit the pants and runs out the door. <laughs> My questions would not be so much where did he come from, where did he go, but like, why did he do that? What's <laughs> that, his that's, deal? That's the sequel to the Cotton Eye Joe's song. <laughs> Uh, anyway, back to the thing that. So the, my my point about back fact not getting away. My point about fact not getting in the way of the truth is that we just spent a whole lot of time not talking about Jennifer Coolidge because we got hung up I'm on magazines. Saying, first if clips. you're writing a script and you have you have a choice between two words to describe something, use mm-hmm. the one that accurately describes it. Uh, it, sh- it requires no extra effort. I, I would say this: if it's like the you know, I'm trying to describe that. But anyway, my point is no, I'm right. No, I, my, I, I'm just empirically right. My here. point is getting sidetracked by magazine versus clip and not talking about Jennifer Coolidge is an argument for my thing, which is don't get hung up on that shit. You have to worry about the story. What's the story you're telling? What's the what's the uh, what's the but then you get horror. your like, then you get your stressed out prop master who just is like oh, I just want a magazine or a clip. <laughs> you know, it technically means a different thing. Right. See, see that's their job. That's why we have prop masters. No, be nice it's to the prop masters. They yeah. have they have a lot going. They have a lot of little, I love prop masters. They have a lot of knickknacks they got to keep track of. I love prop masters. They're great. They yeah. got a lot of stuff. Their rooms are always the most fun because it's just is full of crap. Very, it is fun. I feel like a lot of times like movie memorabilia is exclusively props. Like oh yeah, props are like the most famous. Oh, well, you can't save sets usually. You can save costumes. Yeah, true. Costumes. I feel like costumes almost never get like well because they like, well, yeah, like sold. Yeah, yeah, or like reused. Whereas like and, and also props are more distinct. They're often. also like sized, so like they don't yeah. fit everybody. Or it'd be like, you know, like the suits in Pulp Fiction are like iconic, but like they are just suits. Yeah. Whereas like the briefcase with the glowy thing, like there's only one briefcase with the glowy thing. Yeah. Like that's kind of like, anyway. And also half the costumes just like get returned. <laughs> <laughs> so Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, yes. She shoots her way out. Yep. Um, I think the moment there that really worked for me was when Tom Hollander is dying and she's like, is Greg having an affair? Like she's like asking him. Like she doesn't get it that like it's she thought he was having an affair because she's he was actually trying to kill her, but she's just so in her own like yes. world. Mm-hmm. That's really good use of that character. Yes. And when that happened, I thought there was gonna be a twist that they were like being paranoid and none of it was the murder thing was not real, and she just like killed a bunch of people for no reason. Yes. And that would have also been a good use of at least a use of her privilege as a character. Yes. And then it ended up not being that, and just being this sort of like, you know. I mean, they didn't. Operatic murder mystery. It could have been that. I think they've. I think it. I don't think it was. Yeah, I think the um the what's the Porsche's boyfriend, the the British boy. Yeah, who is fun, British, British fuck boy who started off more fun than he got at the end. Right. So he was I think like soft kidnapping her. Right. Him. He. I think basically is like the proof that it was all a murder. It was some sort of nefarious plot. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Also, um, I was is the read on that that he's a sex worker. Yeah, yeah, 100%. that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, and they just like hired her, him to like take care of Portia. Yeah, and then um, he also just hired him to have sex with him because like, well, I have a sex worker here, I might as well. Yeah, avail myself of it. Him. Yeah, him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't get to be a rich murder gay without being like cutting some corners somewhere. <laughs> I don't know if that's cutting corners. <laughs> well, you know, that's well, hiring a person to do their job, well, to do two jobs, to do three jobs. Really, that's true. I mean, okay, that, <laughs> that's like an entertainment when you get hired to be like an assistant to three people. You're like, this should be three different jobs. Like, this is too much for one person. Right. And every one of those people is like, yeah, it's just. Look, I'm not. I'm not pretty low maintenance. Really, it should have been a teamster driving Porsche around, not a sex worker. Right? Yeah, it should have been. The sex worker keeps her busy, and then she's like, "Oh yeah, we hired this guy to drive you." And yeah. she's like, "Hi, I'm the guy." Yeah. Division of labor. <laughs> Establishing clear job boundaries is important when you're when you're planning an elaborate murder mystery, especially. Yeah, yeah. Because like that shit falls apart. That's fast. what this movie is about. It's about unions. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably good unions. When he in Italy. says, "Just let me do my job." Yeah. You think there's good unions in Italy? Probably. 
I feel like it's like Europe, how, Europe has like good unions in general and like good like labor protections, like more so than the U.S. I believe you. Yeah, I, don't I feel know. like you know more about this than I do. Sure. Okay, so that's that's Jennifer Coolidge. I think our like I said, our big take is <laughs> one day we'll finish talking about Jennifer Coolidge. She's great. That her plotline had a lot of fun stuff. Ultimately, I think it is not what I come to the White Lotus when I visit the White Lotus. Yes, I want complicated class and interpersonal dynamics. Yes, and weird sex stuff and normal sex stuff. Yeah, and uh, Jennifer, you know Coolidge, what? The weird sex stuff is also normal sex stuff, Josh. Don't all be normal. so <laughs> judgmental. Uh, and I think uh, the other plot lines all work better for me. In a lot, of, especially the the other plot lines really dug more into this big theme of sex and relationships. Yes. Whereas Jennifer Coolidge is not so much. No. I also like that. Uh, I also think that her being the one that died is a little bit of a cop out because she's kind of the least interesting character to die. Yeah, especially coming after season one, where uh, not going to spoil it, but a more interesting and likable character in that season. Yeah. Uh, and again, I want to say I think Jennifer Coolidge's character in season one was outstanding, and I actually liked her for like about half of this one. But I think it, and it's not even like her character that bothers me; just the 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 the, the scheminess of her plotline felt like it was out of a different show, and it was all well written and well directed because it's Mike White and he's brilliant. Uh, but it felt like just a different thing. Yeah, you know, it's like if freaking if like Rupert Pupkin showed up in Taxi Driver, like <laughs> both Martin Scorsese, both brilliant. There'd be some tension if they were both in the same universe. That would be really fun. Yeah, I he, I could kind of see Rupert Pupkin being in Taxi Driver. Yeah, that, the, the better example should have been like Hugo from <laughs> <laughs> from Hugo yeah. in Taxi yeah. Driver. Um, that would I would have bumped on that. Yeah, weirdly, I was like more on board with the intrigue of the Jennifer Coolidge storyline, but then I just thought it kind of shat the bed in the last episode. It's fine. I mean, it not it like farted the bed. It was like. It wasn't that bad. You know, I, like I said, I, again, I think it's great. I just think it's not on that show. It just felt like its own thing. Yeah. And I think it, I, I came around to your original point on Jennifer Coolidge's character in our last conversation mm-hmm. where you were much more down on bringing her back. And I was like, well, they're bringing her back because she's popular, but also I trust the the, the filmmakers here, the writers, to mm-hmm. do something interesting. And I think uh, they did interesting things, but it didn't really... It very much stood out, and I think the season probably would have been better if they hadn't have forced her back into it, despite the fact that I enjoy spending every minute on screen with Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, and I want to say a quick side note: like I was, I wasn't super hot in this finale. I 100% do not believe that 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 makes this season a failure. I I hate it when people take the last episode and use that as a barometer for the entire success of the season at all. I think it's still a really great show. I just like didn't love the ending. Yeah, so let's go through some of the other endings. Kind of piece, but because, like I said, the Jennifer Coolidge of it all is the thing everyone was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've, 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 even though we got maybe five minutes of conversation out of 20 minutes of conversation, I think we did get into it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we could talk about clips again. Yeah. We, mags, clips yeah. and mags, clips and mags, mags and clips. Mags and clips. Uh, Michael Imperioli. That's, that's going to be the next poster on my wall is clips and mags. <laughs> <laughs> Bits and riffs, clips and mags. I, I think that might scare people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It will, yeah. It's in LA, yeah. <laughs> you would get hell laid in Texas, though. Other, other parts of the country would be way on board. They'd be like, what the fuck is the bit? <laughs> What's a riff? Yeah. You know the difference between mags and clips, right? <laughs> uh, Michael Imperioli uh, and his family, his father played by F. Murray Abraham, his son played by some other guy. Adam DeMarco. Thank you. Uh, who apparently was in like a Disney Channel show, which was the clip has been making the rounds Fun. on Twitter recently. As him, like, like a child or just recently? Very recently. He's oh, okay. like, of, like serenade or like a dick loading. He's like serenading. He's like a band. He's like singing to some girl in the crowd. And she's like, oh, <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> he is like the like safest like ch- ch- kids show love interest. Yeah. I really hated his character, although I think you were supposed to. I was I didn't I, 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 I disliked him often, but I don't. I disliked him that if I met this man, I would dislike this man. Yes. Yes. Um, and then 
is really I was kind of like also partly hitting him in anticipation of him having like a little incel freak out in the end because I yeah. kind of just assumed that's where the show was going and he kind of didn't do that. No, he did have his he, he did have a bit of a heel turn in the final episode yeah. when he's basically blackmailing his father. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, he learned like it, I think that was really interesting. They're the three of them. It was basically like a three generations of men who all have very hung up specific issues with women. Yes. And each of them thinks the other one has it wrong. Yeah. And that dynamic was fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. I think the last shot of them waiting in line at the airport. And they all look at the woman walking by. Exactly. I think it's just like it says something just about how men can interact with women and like men, the issue with certain men have with women. And I think that was really, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the scene where, my, where he blackmails his dad was interesting because, like, yeah, he just he puts in the good word with the mom anyway. Yeah, uh, uh, that almost felt like a cop out to me, but then I don't know, it's fine. Yeah, and um, he, and he feels like he yeah he got totally like scammed by the prostitute by Lucia, yeah. which was hilarious. I and mean, obvious. I kind of wanted his, I kind of wanted Michael Imperioli to just like say the like on the face like this woman is scamming you, because like in real life you would just say that sometimes. You wouldn't just because I feel like some of his characters like leave things up to subtext more often than you would in real life just because it you know yeah it was a lot of him saying like you're you're dumb or you're not getting it or like this is you know him like dancing around it kind of yeah, yeah. and the thing is like I don't think it would really change the outcome or really the dynamic conversation but I kind of just want that cards on the table line of like you realize this woman's scamming you um, just because you know that's kind of cathartic everyone's thinking it that's what's happening and like if you were to be like. I don't know. I don't, I've never been a father, but like being like the good father, I feel like the good father moment is just like kind of like later, like this is what's happening to you. Even if I, I have like maybe I'll support you, but I just have to let you know that this is what's going to happen. Yeah. I think maybe the only reason he pulled back is once he said, like, I'll put in a good word for mom, then he's like, I can't. Sure, I'll let him get scammed. 50 grand for to get back with my wife. That's a fucking bargain for that guy. Yeah. I mean, and it is also like a thing where it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like that moment, like the kids got to learn. Yeah. But maybe maybe establish some sort of payment plan yeah. where he has to pay you back for the fifty k. I thought he was really interesting. I think him, you know, like the fact that he had these sort of incel ish energy to him without being a full crazy person, I thought was kind of an, uh, a unique touch. Yes, uh, and I really liked his interactions with Portia at the end. I thought that was really like them uh, both like because they, they were both kind of idiots. And then both kind of like came back to earth a little bit. So yeah, I was kind of rooting for them in the sense that I've started to root in shows i've started to root for all the characters i don't like to date each other to like remove themselves from harming anybody else in the world yeah that's been, been my take on edith and downton abbey for a while although i actually think she's awesome and is the secret hero of that show anyway go on that's an insane thing but we can't <laughs> get into that uh so yeah i want them to get together if only so that they cease to harm other people <laughs> Right, I I don't I I don't think I would really enjoy spending time with either of them. Um, yeah, but you can spend time with neither of them more efficiently if they if just they are off. dating. Yeah, <laughs> that was very sweet. You know, it's like you know, like she the guy she was with ended up being deranged. The guy he was she was with and he was with ending up scamming him, and they were mm. just like, yeah, right, yeah, cool. Let's be idiots together. Yeah. Uh, so that I think was like the most like straightforward of the plot lines, but also I thought really compelling. Yes. Uh, prostitutes just spinning off of that. They're fun. They're fun. Oh, I was my whole thing throughout the season was I thought there was going to be a reveal that they're homeless. Right. Yeah, because we never see where they are. Uh, I think you could intuit that they were, but it was never made clear. Um, I don't think that's a failing on the show, though. I think it would have been interesting, I guess. Yeah, they were fun. I think they didn't have as much like an arc themselves. No, nah, they're uh, kind of just foils for everybody else. Right. They were able to like they were like uh, like Puck from Midsummer yeah. Stream. They're just there to like mess around, get other people where they got to go. Yeah, which is like I think you can maybe make some arguments about how that's like a shitty use of sex workers, but 
I don't know. They were also kind of the most like they were, all, but they were also like the most like kind of actualized like self-aware characters in the show. Yeah, they didn't really have any. They didn't have any like internal issues they were working out that yeah. much. Maybe yeah. a little bit, but like they kind of they basically like knew what they were. They knew what they wanted. It was mostly like plot mechanical stuff that they were trying to get. Yeah, they they were the manic pixie uh, Italian sex workers. Of yeah, the show. but on purpose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They were they went into that like all right, let's be manic, let's be pixie, let's be sex workers. Yeah. Uh, the hot couples, the, uh, Ethan, Ethan and Harper and Cameron and Daphne. Cameron yeah. Daphne is, is Theo James and, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Ma- Megan Fa- Fa- Farry? Fahey. Fahey, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, Aubrey Plaza and, uh, Will Sharp? Will something? I am. I just Will Sharp. Ha ha! Fucking killed it. Yeah, good job. Uh, I like them a lot. I thought that was really interesting. That was like, felt like a really like grown up like drama just about like relationships and growing yeah. up and like relationships and sex. And, Honestly, like, that all really worked for me. Their, their, uh, love quadrangle really made the season for me. Oh yeah. It was the most complicated, the thorny, like there was the most going on there and mm-hmm. the most to discuss. And it is, I mean, I feel like I was kind of expecting it to blow up more. Um, and then I don't know if it's kind of the, I don't know if it's the highbrow or the lowbrow, approach that they that it had kind of a happy ending but it didn't have the soapy like or the like greek tragedy ending either i don't like i don't know which of those is the highbrow or lowbrow one i would call it the highbrow because i feel like the lowbrow is it it all goes to like the where the screenplay structure tells you to like someone killing someone or someone getting and this is sort of like a more adult but less dramatically uh explosive thing where it's just sort of like the relationship just kind of go on like they're not perfect they had yeah. a moment like you know ethan and daphne had a moment where they weren't connecting and now they're connecting and maybe they just sort of needed this extra like flirtations or dalliances or whatever we think happened yeah to kind of bring them back to it and yeah or, or some people thinking that ethan did not have sex with daphne right mm. i think it was really he just felt like he was missing on something and he needed to feel like he needed the attention more than anything. Yeah. And I think sort of the same thing with that, with, uh, with Harper. Mm-hmm. Um, although, yeah, cause they were not sleeping together cause Ethan was watching too much porn. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You show. can do both. Yeah. You, yeah. You, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I feel like so much uh, the porn, porn is not, it's not porn's fault. <laughs> Let's not, that's not what I'm saying. It's Ethan's fault for not prioritizing. Yeah. I think one of the smartest things about the, the two couples is, um, we see everything that happened to Ethan that we know that he did not cheat on Harper. Yes. Uh, you don't see what, ha- what Harper did. Right, exactly. So it, it, first you see Aubrey Plaza, Harper, kind of freaking out mm-hmm. constantly. And I think the show was, was really smart about the show with her character. They often made her the like both the voice of reason and the really frustrating person. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like socially want to dislike her. So you see her like freaking out, and you're like, well, we know he didn't do anything. Yeah. It's tough for her, but whatever. And then we see the whole thing from, from Ethan's perspective, mm-hmm. where you don't see anything, and then not knowing. And yeah. it's like... It's interesting how it's more dramatically compelling on screen because you don't know. Yeah. And also it then retroactively makes you like sympathize with Harper more. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really, really sharp like writing. Yeah, for sure. And then like the whole scene of him interrogating her and yeah. he just keeps on insisting that she's lying. It's that funny thing where it's like it's like the idea of like kind of like best practices for a relationship is to just like be honest. And then also when somebody tells you something to believe it mm-hmm. and just like operate from a level of just like what you say is true but then mm-hmm. sometimes like you know somebody is lying to you yeah and but then it's and then it's this weird then it's like also like a weird meta level where you're thinking like is the point of this scene that he's going to keep on pushing beyond the point where she's telling the truth and then break it again right exactly it's i mean yeah it's fantastic yeah uh 
I really like them. They were, they were the best part of the show for me. Um, hotel manager, she's fine. It's fine. It's a little. It's it kind of sad. Yeah. I, I guess to me, because the hotel manager in season one was such a was like the lead, basically. Yeah. That it was a little bit. I was expecting more from her, but that's not. Oh, we should say it's both. Sabrina and Pachia Torre. Yeah, she was great. Valentina. She yeah, was she's awesome. she's very good. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. I was just, honestly, it wasn't. It's not like it. This is like not a even a take on anything in the movie. It's just that, or it's just more of the experience of watching the movie it, or the show. It's just like it was really heartbreaking for her to con to be like consistently falling in love with straight people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like her, she just her her character development is she needs to develop gaydar. Yeah, yeah. Which they, I think, uh, um, they tell her. Yeah, like, she, on, well, on yeah, then Mia's just like, I'll be your gaydar. Right, but then she's like, you should sleep with the gay person. Yeah, which yeah. I, I'll I introduce you to some gay people. I love that that was just made explicit. It wasn't yeah. like she, the game ended. It was, yeah. or it, it wasn't a game. It was actually, it's it funny a, that. It was actually just her being nice. The transactional sex was purely transactional. Right. <laughs> which is when it, which is like, oh, it was like very honest. Yeah. Um, and then season plan for season three, they're going to Asia in theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to talk. It's going to be more about death. Uh, yeah. You know, Do we White. think we'll have the snow monkeys in the? A hundred percent. Oh, snow monkeys will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be pretty interesting. In the hot springs. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I mean, even for the issues I had with some of the uh, stuff in this in the la- in the finale here with the Jennifer Coolidge of it all, I think it's easily one of the best shows on TV, and it's like required viewing, and it's it's doing things nothing no other shows are doing is you have an idea you have a thought you have a joke is the, you're is, smiling is the, is the new season going to come out before or after your honeymoon how fucked are you <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be after right well shit we don't even know when i'm taking my honeymoon yet yeah so can we talk about it please do i, I mean um i mean no one can... listens to the jess doesn't listen to the show you can say oh for you sure <laughs> you know but i think it's been a point of contention between josh and his fiance about where they will do their honeymoon and yes. his fiance wants to do japan and josh wants to do a another a more typical white lotus destination like yes. some sort of beach yes Je- jess wants white lotus season three i want season one so the funny thing is that if white lotus season three comes out and makes japan look awesome it is going to be a nail in the coffin of your <laughs> of your uh honeymoon plans I, we will keep you posted, uh, Warhawks, about how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you get hired into the, the White Lotus writer's room and start like sabotaging them so that they don't come, they don't release on schedule so that you can go to your honeymoon in like Bali. Yeah. That's what I do if I get into the, the writer's room for the White Lotus. <laughs> Uh, which I think is just Mike White. I don't even know if there are other. I know he's credited as the writer on every episode. So you just like break into Mike White's house. Yeah. Steal his typewriter. His typewriter. <laughs> yep. What a guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> you come back and he's like, oh, I wonder what happened to my decorative typewriter. Okay, better get my laptop and finish White Lotus <laughs> Season 3. Better get my functional typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> that was an antique. I mean, I'll miss it, but it doesn't Darn. work. Yeah, I spent $400 on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, could just. Cool thing with Mike White, uh, it's on an interview where he was talking about the Harper and Cameron stuff. Like, mm. Did they do anything? And he said, in, in the interview, he was like, yeah, I think probably she's telling the truth that they just kissed or something, but it's sort of unclear, and I guess we'll never know. And like the fact that the creator and writer of the show himself does not know what the characters do, I think yeah. he's a, that's why he's a really smart and interesting writer. And yeah. That's why he's able to do stuff, and fucking credit to him. Yeah. Uh, and second episode we've talked about. Well, we'll talk about Mike White a lot because of White Lotus, but also shout out uh, to our School of Rock episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to us. Shout out We're to the us. real heroes. Yes. Um, Who's next on the old docket? So if you're joining us now, you skipped all the White Lotus stuff. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> We're not going to. Welcome be... to the beginning of the show. We're the beginning of the show, uh, where we are going to do uh... spoilers for every other movie. Right, we're going to go right down the Rosebud line. Rosebud is a sled. 
Kazuya Sose is also a sled. <laughs> <laughs> They're all sleds. It was a sled Whenever the whole a character time. dies in The Godfather, you see a sled. <laughs> Psycho, he's a sled. <laughs> It's like the shower curtain opens and there's just a sled there. Just like a sheet. <laughs> oh, it's like an animated yeah. sled. It's like a Beauty and the Beast sled. Yeah, that, that's, that's actually scary. <laughs> that's a, that's a horror pitch for a horror movie. I mean, movie. not as scary as a Mama's Boy, but, you yeah. know, yeah. it's up there. It's close. Uh, so we, our one-year anniversary of the podcast hey, was Josh, last week. Yes. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Cooper. What a year. Yeah. What a ride. What a ride. And uh, we're done. <laughs> And we just thought we'd do a little uh, 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 highbrow, lowbrow wrapped. Uh, yeah. Look back on the year in highbrows and lowbrows. Yeah, just kind of thoughts on how, how we've been doing. How we've been doing. In the last 57 episodes yes. or 56 episodes. So, uh, Cooper, we had the idea to do some superlatives. Yep. And we, so, starting right off, our most loved episode. This is the episode with the most listens. It is Racing. Racing, which was... By a, far. A rush versus Speed Racer. Yeah, and it is due entirely to the massive popularity of Speed Racer, apparently, especially on social media. Right. So, we... Uh, I think that's a great episode. Yeah, it's uh, fun. We, we had good friend Kelsey, Kelsey Fleming on. Kelsey Fleming was on it. She's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, we, yeah, this was when you we were first getting into TikTok, and you pulled a clip of uh, a Speed Racers. Speed yep. Racer, and it just fucking blew up. It got like almost up, up to like what five hundred and seventy like million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's where a lot of those listens came from. And yeah, <laughs> and that was also an interesting thing where it's um, because of the demos. I think it's because TikTok skews young in their demo, and then I think also to Spotify as well. Yes. So like our spot, our like Spotify listens jumped hugely, mm-hmm. and I think it was like it was mostly younger people listening to the episode because younger people on TikTok, and also maybe they like Speed Racer. I don't know. And it's right. funny because. So much of so much, many of the comments were people being like, "Oh my god, I love Speed Racer. I'm so glad that I feel seen by this clip." And then I'm like, "You're gonna be disappointed by this episode in which we all shit on Speed Racer." Right. That's like the one clip of us enjoying something in Speed Racer, and not even just describing. We just say a thing that happens in Speed Racer. Yeah, um, and I feel like so. Yeah, the lesson we learned from that one TikTok is weird. Yeah, you just you just don't know. I every single time I've ever thought a clip was going to do well, it is not, and something else has. Uh, other lesson is uh, we just don't know what movies people are gonna like. Yeah, that's the other, like every time we try to game the system, that it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, we would not have suspected. I mean, we we do bring on a guest, bring on a good guest. You always get a little bit jump in listeners. You know, car racing, maybe there's something there. Mm-hmm. But I would not have suspected that Speed Racer <laughs> yeah. had such had so many shooters out there for. <laughs> I know. I knew it kind of had a like resurgence in popularity after it after it's like theatrical run yeah probably because like blank check did an episode on it the way they talk about it. like the way critics talk about it is different from when it came out yeah it's kind of part of the like reclaiming of the wachowskis yeah of like people who really ride for the the more maligned wachowski movies right um and who really really love speed racer to say it's like the best like anime movie which i very strongly pushed back on <laughs> on mike on the, listen to that episode yeah uh shout out to us great episode <laughs> Um, but it just it was just one of those it was kind of a cool that episode is a cool like learning for us of just like you just it you just don't know what people like you don't and it kind of taught us that we don't always have to go for the most popular movie yeah I just kind of follow our star and then yeah people follow or they don't it's fine yeah it's better to find the people who are real a few people who are really passionate about something than thinking you're going to get like the people who are into fucking like Marvel or whatever they will listen to the Marvel podcast or watch the Marvel movie. Yeah, that's the other thing. Know? Every time we've ever like brought up Star Wars, done a clip on it, it does so shittily. Exactly. You Despite know, the fact that we bring up Star Wars kind of a lot. <laughs> it's been a learning lesson to us to just be like, you know, let's just be us. Yeah. And that's what we learned from Speed Racer. <laughs> <laughs> 
which I guess makes it a good movie. Shit, we're back on. We're, we're back, back on board. board. Um, most uh, most hated, most hated, least listened to episode. Bad, bad cops. cops by by a long shot. It's bad cops, yeah, which is Training Day versus Super, uh, Super Troopers. Troopers, which is an episode that I like. I think it's a really strong episode, and we thought that it would be interesting just because people talk about a lot of cops these days. I think those are both very widely seen movies that yeah. people like have thoughts on. Yeah, They're both very good movies. They have a lot in common. Yeah, and just no one wanted to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, and I, we still don't understand. I mean. Maybe it's that like Training Day might be kind of one of those movies that was like really beloved. It was kind of like a like it was kind of like an awards movie when it came out, right? Yeah. And it's less well remembered now. True. Well, it did have that the reboot TV show, which was interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, although that that um, I was funny. although King Kong and Got Shit on Me gets referred referred to a lot. I think it's a movie that's like in the consciousness. Yeah. You know, also because it's a lot of Denzelisms come from that movie, or the, it maybe not come from it, but that's certainly a crystallization of a lot of Denzeliness. Yeah. As and also people just love Denzel. He's fucking great, rightfully so. Yeah, he's one of our great actors. Yeah. Um, and I, honestly, just like this was with Speed Racer, kind of taught us to not chase any chase the thing and just be ourselves bad cops taught us that sometimes that doesn't work <laughs> sometimes you just don't know also maybe we're underestimating the la- how much super troopers has not like lasted lasted because i yeah. guess it might have just been because it was so popular especially for like boys our age yeah. when it came out and maybe it's just like it was so popular for like a very certain subset of like you know upper middle class boys right <laughs> in the in the 2000s yeah and those people remember it but not everybody. It, nobody nobody knew it was coming to it. Maybe. Exactly. That might be it. You know, yeah. and I think um, the shame because it's, it's very funny. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's a good movie. And, you know, for all the like mid 2000s comedies we watched for the show, uh, many of which really didn't hold up and had a lot of really homophobic stuff. Yeah. To my memory, Super Troopers was not particularly bad on that. No. Certainly not in the upper quartile of yeah. problematic bullshit we had to watch. Yeah, it doesn't have, it doesn't, like, you, the biggest thing is usually gay panic jokes, mm-hmm. which I, there might have been a little bit, but not much. I don't know. I guess the lesson is just like let's maybe avoid cops. But like, I mean, we always knew that. Yeah, <laughs> that, <that's laughs> certainly avoid bad cops. Yeah, I mean, all cops. <laughs> that's all cops, Josh. <laughs> um, next up, most niche. <laughs> the the, the, uh, the takeaway is that don't fuck with the cops because they will beat the fuck out of you. you. Yeah, that's the takeaway. Which they did metaphorically in our show. Yeah, and often in real life. Um, most niche movie. This is on Letterbox, the movie with the least views. Yeah, it said uh, Drumline, which we, we were surprised by. I I feel like Drumline was, but maybe it's the same. It's the Super Troopers problem. It was like big for people our age when it came out, but new people haven't come to it exactly. And I gotta say that episode did all right for us uh, listens. It was a very early episode, and I remember it, it was one of the uh, higher listened to ones for a while. Yeah. Uh. So, and a good example of that niche doesn't necessarily mean not listens, but also uh. I it's also an earlier one, and the earlier ones kind of taper off in views. Exactly. It was before we really got going. But, I mean, Drumline's great, and I love that episode. And uh, I really don't have anything else to say, so I'm surprised that it's the niche one. Yeah. I mean, Drumline's a really good movie. It is. I I mean, maybe maybe like with a little touch of touch of irony, like mm-hmm. ironic viewing or, you know, self-aware, meta, meta viewing, metagaming. Mm-hmm. But it's really good. I liked it a lot. I, I unironically liked it a lot, and I ironically liked it even a little bit more. And I got to say, it, there's something that was really cool as a throwback. I think we mentioned on Mike was that in the last episode was it's like a drama. Yeah. It just like is it's like a drama, like 
kind of for teenagers. Like yeah. it's just a straightforward lowbrow like drama. High school or college. Yeah. Like yeah. that just like doesn't exist. And then also like combined with some legitimately very good like drum like drumming music sequences, like music yeah. set pieces. And um I actually the other day I was watching the the scene of the um the frat the frat bros doing stomping in their blue the Tim, Tims. Blue yeah. Tims. Yeah, because I, I was reading about like frats at HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because I was reading about um in Insecure how AKA was suing them for using their logo. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was it was like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Uh but anyway, so then I just brought up that clip because they are a frat and they're doing it soft and it looks so good. It's so good. I forgot that uh Nick Cannon and Zoe Saltana just start making out in the middle of the clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, normally not something you'd mind, but you know, when you're when when the alternative is Stomp in the yard. I know. I want more stomp in the yard, less making out. Have you seen Stomp the Yard? I have not. We should. We should. Should we just do like dance movies? Yes. Like just do like Stomp the Yard versus like the Red Shoes. Suspiria. Oh, Suspiria. <laughs> the second, the the Suspiria remake is the. Is oh, the, the original one's not dancers. No, they're like nuns or something. Oh, or I mean, wait. Um, Stomp the Yard versus uh, Black Swan. Sure. <laughs> that would be a stretch. I'm not sure how that works. It's not really like about dancing, but there's dancing. They do dance. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think there's something else that would go better with Black Swan. Yeah. Um, fucking, I don't know, movies where people turn into birds. Yeah. Bird, yeah. Birdman. Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> um, not a lot of them. Not a lot of movies where people turn into birds. Or Black Swan versus the fly. Yeah. That's people actually turning one. into animals. Yeah. yeah. Body, body horror. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, we might do that. Oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. I, I like, but I, that has to be the title. The title has to be "People Turning Into Animals Slash Body Horror." Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Colon Black Swan versus the Fly. Parentheses 1986. Close parentheses. Yeah. Because there's multiple flies. Yeah. Um, Underscore <laughs> dot exe <laughs> dot exe <laughs> dot band. <laughs> uh, and then our most popular movie was The Dark Knight. I don't think that's particularly surprising. Nope, but not a hot take. Kind of an episode I forgot we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Because it was dark. What was it with? Batman Robin. Oh yeah, that it was, was fun. Batman. Yeah, I, I enjoyed. It. I remember the bat. I remember talking about Batman and Robin more than I remember ta- about talking about Dark Knight. Yeah, but partly because for Dark Knight, most of what we have to say is this movie's good. Right. It is sort of painted us in the corner of if you if you love the movie too much, you often end up in this cycle of oh, it's so good. Yeah, you know? I. This is a just a personal failing on my. This is like a character failing of me that I find it much easier to articulate why I don't like things than why I do like things. I think maybe we should work backwards from that because like it is really fun to shit on movies, but we don't want to shit on that many movies because we work in movies. Yeah. Uh, but like you know, like Bohemian Rhapsody was really fun because Brian Singer is a monster, and yeah. so who we, as long as we're not shitting on the actors, which we didn't, mm-hmm. we can just fucking rip on that movie. Yeah, that for sure. Great. <laughs> But yeah, I do think, and also I think I just, as part of my personal growth, need to learn how to explain why I like things more. Yeah. <laughs> because often I feel like personally, I often don't examine why I like things as much as I examine why I don't like things. Mm-hmm. Because if I like if I like a movie, I just think, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching it. This is great. I don't need, like, done. We're done. I am fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. And then if I don't like it, I think, why did this not work? How could it be something I like? Yeah. Uh, but it also, just in terms of what's compelling content or not, it is often one negative content in general engages people more. That's just sort of the world we live in. And also, it's kind of it is more fun to just kind of go off and rip on something because you don't really feel like you have to take it as, as seriously. You can yeah. kind of be able to, and you get to make jokes. Fun. Yes, joke mean jokes are fun. I mean, most jokes come from some 
like angle of criticism or you know taking something down there's it's very rare to have just purely like complimentary jokes i don't even it's like like a roast you, there's no such thing there's no such thing as a like funny like nice roast right uh like the closest is norm mcdonald's uh roast of bob saget but it's not even like that it was nice it was just that they were bad jokes yeah <laughs> Yeah. You've seen that clip, right? Is that what he's doing a reverse roast on him or something? Well, he just has like a he what he apparently did ahead of time, he just looked up like he bought like a book like the best roast jokes of That's the very year funny. from like nineteen eighty two or something and like just said them like completely straight faced. That's and really like good. the lamest jokes. That's was, really good. Like uh, you gotta look it up. It's fucking great. My dad has a funny story about me when I was a kid where I I was a child, so I I like the idea You of, were a child. I was a child. So I like the idea of being funny. But I did not know how to be funny. Yep. So I was just trying out saying what I thought, trying to figure out what a joke was. So I go up to my dad and I say, okay, how about this? Like a donkey is standing by a building. Ah, and my dad's like, okay, that's not really funny. That's that's <laughs> that's not really a joke, Cooper. I'd be like, okay. It's a setup at best. I'd be okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I'll go back and I come back and I say some other nonsense setup. And he'd be like, no, that, that's also not really a joke, Cooper. You got to go back and work on it. And then finally, he just bought me a joke book, like for children <laughs> that was just jokes. And he's like, "Here you go. This is these are jokes." I'd be like, "Okay." I just like study that joke book, and I still remember to this day, just like pouring over this joke book. And my dad's like, "Yeah," and you got a lot funnier after that because <laughs> you. <laughs> I gave him. He gave me the textbook. That's that. I don't think that explains much, but it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, the most memorable moments from our show uh, uh kind uh, of the, none the answer is none because as soon as i am we are done recording the shows leave our brains you probably know more than i do because you edit them right i have a, i think it lasts a little bit but definitely does not la- like once the episode is published i la- it like leaves my brain basically yeah and it's funny because as a person who listens to podcasts a lot i used to always kind of not get confused, but I'd be mildly frustrated when the hosts could never remember like things from their old episodes. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, how do you not remember that? Like you talked about that like two episodes ago. And then they would kind of casually mention like, yeah, I just, you just forget stuff. It's stuff. You just kind of are like in a zone. And like, once you're done, you're just like, your brain just compartmentalizes the recording process a little bit. Yeah. And I think there's also kind of a bit of a, there's some sort of like mental effect of when you're saying something versus listening to it in yeah. that you're not like interpreting and internalizing and trying to like remember what's happening. You're just saying stuff and then it kind of just leaves you. Exactly. I mean, I think if I had to come up with a memorable moment, I mean, the the development of the term quantum brow oh, yeah. in the Tombstone episode. Oh, I was freaking out. Tombstone was very fun. Yes. T- Tombstone was a good episode, especially because that came about as like it was going to be a different episode. And we ended up having to like, well, I, we don't know what Tombstone is, high or low. Let's just figure it out. Yeah. On the debate episodes were an interesting little di- di- divergence that we had. Yeah. I like the idea of just doing one movie for a, for an episode. It was kind of a different element to it. Yeah. But I think the debate, uh, as we discussed, the debate uh, format didn't work because we didn't really, we often did not disagree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you need people on the opposite sides of a debate to debate. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Uh, we we might do some no brows that are just centered on one movie. Yeah, I'd right. 100% be down for that. Yeah. Uh, and then what are the lessons we've learned? Um, I, number one lesson, stop talking so fast. Yeah. <laughs> mine, is, mine is also a like production note in that I, from going through the clips, I realize I say like a lot. And got, like, everyone, I'm aware of it. <laughs> and then I retroactively <laughs> regret it. <laughs> But sometimes it's hard to identify in the moment, and I'm working on it. Yeah, this is the weird thing about 
recording and, and editing the podcast is that you become very aware of just how you talk. Yes. And how your partner talks in this case, too. And you're just sort of like little things that you just sort of like, yeah, you communicate, whatever. You're just suddenly like type we're aware of how you say like a lot or how you apparently speak at the speed of light. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then there's there's also kind of the, the problem of when you're when it's not scripted mm-hmm. and you're just coming up with it on the on the fly, you rely on filler words a lot. Yeah. At least in my case. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Here, another lesson. I, I stop saying yeah all the time when someone else is talking because I just have to edit all that out anyway. <laughs> it's, it, it provides more work for me. <laughs> um, all right. And here's our last one. Uh, oh, let's do goals next. Goals for next year. More guests. Yeah, we're gonna for sure. We're gonna try to do some some uh, crossover episodes with another podcast. Yeah, I feel like out. that would be a good next step for us. I agree. I think we've 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 grown a lot in the last year. I think we're doing really good episodes now. I think we really have a good handle on what we're doing, and I think uh, there's got to be other people out there who are about where we are in in the podcast. So we've got at least one guest lined up for next year. We want to get some more some crossovers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if 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 our uh, listeners know of any shows that they think we would be a good matchup with, you let us know or let them know or do something. Help us. Help yeah. us. CC us on an email together. Yeah. <laughs> Making the introduction, I'll be CC myself. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, Cooper, what do you think our best episode is for the people listening at home? Oh, yeah, we're doing Rex. Rex. Uh, I think my my favorite is BDSM. Yep. I think it is the just the absolute clearest version of our premise. Of It's very highbrow and very, very lowbrow, and they're very similar movies in a lot of ways. The tone, I mean, the... Uh, what are the movies? Oh, in movies, our highbrow is secretary, and lowbrow is Fifty Shades of Grey. Yep. Uh, which is also maybe the biggest range of quality in movies in any episode. <laughs> and then we also get to talk about BDSM, which is very interesting. Yeah, it was a really fun episode. Yeah. And like you said, the clearest, one, one of the clearest most, like when you want to describe what the show is, yeah, that's like perfect. And my recommendation is the opposite. It is, <laughs> if you want it, it is our kind of our sweatiest premise. <laughs> <laughs> Pretending dead people are alive. Yeah. And the movies are The Talented Mr. Ripley and uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. And I like that because I, I, we can't always do it, but it is sort of fun when you have to think outside the box a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's especially fun when the movies do have a lot in common and really similar themes and a lot of overlap. Actually, yeah, wait, retroactively, one of my favorite moments in our podcast was when we realized in talented mr ripley that they he does weekend at bernie's the other guy yeah <laughs> i was losing my mind when i was watching like, it literally carries them out yeah. yeah yeah he carries them like the poster of weekend at bernie's <laughs> also it was really nice that weekend at bernie's was so good i it love really that movie i really so love that movie also if i feel like i must have talked about this before but the polish mo- poster for weekend at bernie's is really good and i want to get it but it's like a 600 hundred dollar poster so i just have not bought it yet. <laughs> Uh, so I just think that's that's our podcast. You got really good, <laughs> smart, clear up. ideas. BDSM, you know, high real over, or you just get us just sort of fa- trying to make some weird shit work. And I, when it works, it's really nice. Yeah, and, uh, I'm glad we do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and normally I'd say get some Rex and get the fuck out of here, but we just did our Rex. Yeah, our Rex are our own show. <laughs> Those are the two episodes. Uh, we will put them in the show notes, the links to them. But I'll just go back. Pretending dead people are alive in BDSM. Mm-hmm. If you haven't listened to them, we really recommend them. We think that is our best feat forward. Yeah, I think it's a. Also, if this is if you are new to the show and you want to get into it, those are some good ways to start. Exactly. Uh, and thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, thank you very much. It's been a good year, and it's been a good year because of you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, when by the time you're hearing this, it will be 2023, 
I hope it's been well. Happy New Year. Hope we made it. Yeah. <laughs> hope we made it. <laughs> hope we made it through uh, Loud Luxury. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're seeing Loud Luxury. If, any, if anybody wants to come see <laughs> Loud Luxury <laughs> with us, it's that Academy. <laughs> yeah, by the time you hear this, it will have happened already. <laughs> when wants to go back in time? If anyone wants to, yeah, build a, build a DeLorean and come back in time, buy a ticket for Loud Luxury. Well, okay, hold on. To be clear, if we run into a time traveler at New Year's, I'm going to freak the fuck out. That would be a lot. For multiple reasons. Yes. <laughs> but, but like A, like... Wait, people listen to our podcast. B, there's time travel. <laughs> but okay, but 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 Doc didn't build the DeLorean. He made the time machine oh, out, out of, of a DeLorean. DeLorean. Yeah. Very famously, that's the line. No, yeah, was it uh, John DeLorean or whoever built the DeLorean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a thing I kind of was thinking about because there was a spec strip bouncing around about him, but uh, oh, I don't remember any of it because that was fucking ten years ago. Yeah, uh, it's funny that DMC only has that one car. Yeah, just one and done. It's weird. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, on that note, goodbye forever. <laughs> Bye forever. <laughs> oh, rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> Shit. No, we <laughs> fucked up. We are so bad at this. God damn it. We're okay. Ending our like recap of the year, we are the worst podcasters podcast in the ever. world. Uh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Do all that. Follow us on the social things. media. Yeah. Bye forever. Bye forever. <laughs>